back, everyone, to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. I'm Caleb, and with me, as always, is Craig, and we are here bringing you Michigan football each and every week. And just to make a few announcements at the beginning, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Blue Bros underscore in our name. So that's uh, at B-L-U-E-B-R-O-S underscore Caleb or underscore Craig. And you can also call into us now. We have a voicemail. You just have to call into 551-258-3276. That's 551-BLUE-BRO. All right. Well, a lot is kind of going on during this time of year. And uh, before we jump into talking about Michigan football, it is uh, on the eve or on the cusp of uh, Oscars. Or is it Oscars or is it Emmys? Yeah, Oscars. Yeah, I think it's in... I know you would know because you have you always throw your amazing Oscar party every year, right, Craig? You have all your friends over no. um, for the Oscars. I, you know, I used to actually watch those. I don't even watch them that much anymore. I don't know why. I like. I, I like mean, to... if I watch something, it might have been that. You, you know, the one I don't watch. I don't watch the one for the music, the music award, Academy of Music or whatever. Oh, okay. For music, so Grammys. I don't watch that because the very fact is that none of the bands would even be on there that I like. Yeah. <laughs> so, and two, I sit literally about 99% of the bands and the singers on there. I don't listen to. Yeah. No, so, I totally... and, and, and then they're always doing something underhanded and there's no respect for somebody on there. It's just always some kind of, the ego gets in the way of actual performance. So, yeah. Like, nah. So I watch the Oscars. I'll probably watch that, but it depends. It depends on the year, right? Yeah. Well, what I used to do is I used to um, not watch, but I used to see what was either nominated or at least what won, and I always kind of wanted to see that. Like, why did this person win Best Actor? Or why is this movie the best right. movie? I used to work. I mean, when I was in college, I worked at a video store, so those yeah. don't even exist anymore, practically. But I worked at a video store. <laughs> I, I know it's crazy to think about that because uh one of my friends who lives out of state he's just like we don't have i mean we're in a small enough obscure area here that we have a few random video stores the family video that you'll still see but he says they don't even have them anymore where he's at out west that's all the red boxes and stuff so i might pay attention to who wins but i'm probably not gonna watch it. i haven't watched it in, gosh i mean we're talking about eight years or something like that but oh, wow. with that topic though uh, something that I thought would be kind of fun, um, another topic of discussion along those lines is uh, movie recommendations. Just, I mean, there are all those movies out there that people know about and everything, so I'm, I want to go a little bit more obscure. And so I, in a second, I'm going to ask you to give a movie recommendation. But, I, I mean, I used to watch all movies all the time. I mean, working at that video store, before movies came out, I watched it, anything in that a store that was worth watching. I'd watched it when I would hang out with my friends on the weekends. They would hate getting movies because I either had already seen it and could tell them everything about it, or it was just stuff that wasn't going to be worth watching. But uh, there was a movie that was recommended to me, a really great guy that I used to work for at a coffee shop. He had all, he was just a really fun boss, but he always recommended that I watch swimming with sharks with Kevin Spacey. Have you ever seen that? I haven't seen that. Yep. 
Yeah. And so it's, I mean, it's a decently known movie. It's an older movie. Kevin Spacey is one of my favorite actors. And I think he's one of the greatest actors of all time within, I don't know, I'll say 50 or something, but probably even higher than that. But it's, it's a bit of a darker kind of twisted movie. It's about, uh, it's either, it's been a while now. It's like the movie or the music or the performance industry out of California. Um, so it sounds kind of boring, but it's, it's really interesting. And so I would recommend that if you're looking for a movie, um, here around the, uh, award season and you want something to watch and you have not watched swimming with sharks, uh, I recommend it, uh, go check it out, have a good time and all yeah. that. Yeah. I heard, um, well, Kevin Spacey, he's pretty good at, uh, I call him, he's great at dialogue. You know, having a dialogue back and forth with somebody, he's pretty incredible actor when he does that. So he's good at, uh, oh, what, what, Quentin, he should be in a Quentin Tarantino movie? Yeah, yeah, anytime he's, like, arguing back and forth with somebody, it's pretty intense, and I love, he's really good at that. But, yeah, I've seen that, it's pretty, it's a really good movie, so, actually, think, speaking of the Oscars, I mean, there's, there's three I'm, now I'm looking at the list. There's three movies, and I'm not the biggest movie buff because when I go, if you go with my wife, and I kind of make sure that it's a movie that we both can watch and oh, we yeah. both will enjoy. And her, me, I can watch pretty much anything. I'm not a big, like, foo-foo love story movie guy. I'm just not. Her list are either down to Jason Bourne movies oh, or yeah. spy movies or comedies, and that's it. She won't watch anything else. She hates everything else. So I'm like, okay, fine. So that gives so, you a lot to choose from right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, and out of the two, three, actually the three movies that are nominated, I see uh, The Mad Max, Fury Road, I saw that, The Martian, and The Revenant, and I got to see all three. So I just got, I just went and saw the, I'm going to talk about The Revenant, so that'll be my movie of the year, and I would be absolutely shocked if Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't win Best Actor. It was intense. That whole movie is—I'm not going to give it away, but it's brutal. Yeah, <laughs> brutal. And my wife had her eyes down the whole time and said, "Why are you making me watch this movie?" <laughs> it's <laughs> so if you like brutal, like period pieces, like you know pieces that are you know, eighteen, seventeen hundreds, like you know, trying to live off the land and just things like that. You'll love this movie. Leonardo DiCaprio was, was absolutely crazy good in this movie. I, I, I bought it. He's, he's really good. So nice. I have um, not, I've not the, seen that. Now you were, yeah, those are, good. those are for the movie of the year, those three or. Yeah. Uh, a couple of those. Yeah. Mad Max is too. If you haven't seen really? that. See I, well, it. no, I saw that. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm a little surprised because I mean, I would yeah. expect it for uh, the special effects and things like that, but yeah. for movie of the year, yeah. that, that's pretty interesting. So yeah, that movie was pretty interesting. I mean, it was to me, it just felt like a rock and roll movie. It was crazy cool. I mean, it was really good from start to finish. Oh, yeah. And then I saw The Martian. The Martian is absolutely great. In fact, the reason I like The Martian is because it was done by my favorite director, and that's um, um, he did um, Aliens movies. He did all that. Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, Ridley Scott did. He did those movies. Um, He's really good at that. And you're going to walk away from that movie going, I feel really stupid. 
<laughs> Those are like, always I'm not the best. very smart guy. All these people in this movie are like their intelligent levels, like way beyond you and mine. And you just feel really stupid walking out. You walk out of there going, man, I don't know anything. <laughs> uh, you always hate those. That either makes you feel yeah. terrible or that motivates you to do more in your life. But um, yeah, So those are my recommended movies. Those three, I really like them a lot, especially The Martian and The Revenant. I think a lot of people like those. So those were really good. Nice. Well, uh, actually, while we're on the movie conversation, something popped into my head, and I don't want to make this go too long, but just kind of a funny uh, movie scenario. We don't, uh, obviously since our kids are uh, quite a bit younger, we don't get out a lot. We don't, they're not at the babysitting uh, stage yet and everything because they're pretty small. But uh, we went out, it was before our son was born. Anyways, that, that <sighs> saving Mr. Banks, the Mary Poppins movie about Disney world yeah. and, or Disneyland, whichever one uh, Tom Hanks was in there and everything. It, uh, that came out and we were able to have like a date night. So we were going to go get dinner. We were going to go see a movie. We were going to go do some things. We were going to have a night, you know, while somebody was watching our kids. And so Kristen wanted to watch that movie and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm a person who can appreciate all sorts of movies because I like what paying attention to cinematography, acting, and, uh, the story of a movie. I, I read more in depth with that. I mean, yeah, because I wanted to go into, uh, a 3d animation and some stuff with movies. So it interests me. So I pay attention with it. So anyway, so we go to this movie and it was probably one of the worst date movies to go to ever. Just (laughs) awful, awful choice. Because if you haven't seen it, it's, it's an interesting story. That's for sure. I mean, it's not probably for everybody, but it is about the making of that story, the Mary Poppins and everything. And is like the, okay, it's not the saddest story, was one of the saddest stories. And so here we are. We're on a date. We're happy. We're out. We're without our kid. We're going to have a good night. You know, just relax and have a good time. And here's this heart-wrenching story. And my wife is all emotional. And it just, it, like, we both leave that movie and we're just like, wow, this our, our evening is ruined because of a movie. <laughs> get in the car. Get in the car and you're like, hey, honey, don't talk to me. Yeah. I'm having a moment. Uh, it was <laughs> nice. Oh, it geez. was not good. Yeah, and, I've had those. Yeah. Well, it was like The Revenant with me. I mean, I took my wife and I said, man, I heard this movie's really good. It's intense. We're going to love it. And she was just going, oh, my God. This is like the – this movie is ter- like not terrible in a bad way, but just awesome. hard to watch. You yeah. Know? And she goes, "This if you're a vegan, don't watch this movie. <laughs> just don't do it man you'll hate it it's it makes you want to be a vegan obviously but hey but at least at least one of you guys were able to enjoy it though oh i know i know i walked down and said man that was good and she goes i feel physically ill (laughs) so yeah yeah, she walks home and she goes man we, we went home and she just goes man i think i'm gonna puke like i'm like geez all right well she likes she likes James Bond movies. She really does. She likes spy movies. And hey, well, they got the new one. Her movie. They got the new one coming out, the new Jason Bourne. So that'll probably be a good one. Yeah. But uh, oh, yeah. as we move into the actual football talk, um, I will say, and it will be kind of interesting to see because I'm sure I'll hear about this if it if it does happen. Rumor on the street is 
my my wife is curious on exactly what we do with this podcast because she's just like how how, really. how can you talk about Michigan football when it's not football season like what do you guys talk about she she doesn't understand it and so she's just like I guess I'll just have to listen sometime so rumor right. has it my wife might start listening so that means that some of the things that we have previously talked about with certain secrets in our yeah. house and different things like that are going to have to be kept on the DL. Yeah. So if, well, uh, I doubt, I doubt she's going to listen to every episode. I know. I, I, I'm kind of anticipating that she's not going to listen to this up this next episode just because it, it probably will remind her the next time to get around to it. So it'll be interesting to see if she listens to this one, I know I'm going to hear about this and she's going to ask me what's going on, but all I have to do is bring up chocolate milk and she'll just <laughs> laugh at me. So, but uh, so moving into uh, the real the real talk, the sports talk, football, and actually kind of a lot going on because uh, we have breaking news because when we record our podcast, there's actually stuff going on with Michigan football. So for you guys don't hear about it from us until a couple of days later because that's how long it takes to get our podcast out there. But tonight, uh, if anyone is on social media of any sort you are going to be seeing information about harbaugh and some of the other coaches being at monday night wrestling so that is currently going on and we are gosh it's 11 30 11 45 at night and we are up to date on well kind of up to date i guess i have my phone off twitter now but who knows he's probably on on the mat right now wrestling somebody like triple h or I don't know. I don't know wrestling as well. I Brandon should be here because he would know yeah. everything. But that's going down. Boy, tonight. I, I don't know. I put my I put my money on Jim Harbaugh. On oh, no. every wrestling match, he's that intense. Yeah, well, he the, really is. The uh, the huge show, which is a statewide sports show, tweeted out about him, uh, Jim Harbaugh. You know, I mean, everything's out there. He's like raising his hands, getting the crowd into it and everything, and. They were saying that basically he's probably out there, and he would call out Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, uh, Mark D'Antonio to come out on the bat and wrestle. And you know, I mean, I, I believe it. He he would do it. You oh, know, yeah. he would. He is just a straight competitor, and he, um, it it would be hilarious and fun. And but somebody would probably it's it's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt. And I imagine if you put those guys in a ring, that somebody would wind up getting hurt. Especially, oh, yeah. especially yeah. Um, Ur- Urban Meyer with his heart issue and Nick Saban with his old age. So <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah. And you got to watch yeah, out. Well, you know what? The, you know it'd be really cool if in the corner they put a tree and then Jim Harbaugh climbed up and just did it like a suplex <laughs> off that. <laughs> yes, nailed yes. both of them to the ground. I would love that. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Or if he just like goes and pretends to chop down a tree and brings a big log out from backstage and knocks somebody down. But you, yeah. but you gotta watch out. Oh, you, gotta, yeah. you gotta watch out for D'Antonio and those chips on his shoulder, man. Those those are sharp. Yeah. <laughs> he ride in on a disrespect train. Oh right? yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> you can hear the train going. And then him, uh, Coach D'Antonio, showing up. Yeah, the conductor yep. D'Antonio, and that's his. Uh, he comes into that music of a train, and that's the sound effect. He does yeah. a little pulling on the horn. <laughs> That that's yeah. actually that's a really funny visual actually. 
But <laughs> we well, got to make it happen, man. Yes, we do. But actually, um, more stuff is going on tonight around Michigan football because I don't know if it happens strictly today, but information is coming out that somebody else has started talking about the spring practice, uh, the spring practices that Jim's going to do in yeah. Florida, and it's actually Georgia head football coach Kirby Smart. I don't know, did you see that? Mm-hmm. You saw that come out? I did. And so yeah. he's uh, he actually stepped up and manned up and was just completely honest about the situation and said that people aren't concerned about it from a time standpoint. People are concerned about it from a competitive standpoint, which is still fine. I mean, if the SEC and coaches take issue with it, uh, and he brings up some interesting points on, like, who's allowed to go and are all practices open, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's gonna. It could cause recruiting issues or conflicts or whatever, which, which is fine. It's understandable. I mean, if you want to discuss it, discuss it, figure it out, and blah blah blah. But you don't have to freak out about it. So, I just thought that was interesting. That got reported tonight. I actually put out. If uh, you go out on there, I don't know if you saw it, but have you seen those things that have been kind of popular this year? With uh, this is Bob. Bob sees something offensive on Facebook and Bob doesn't care and keeps looking on Facebook. Be more like Bob. Be like, yeah, I saw yours. Yours was funny, man. I like, uh, be like Kurt. Yeah. I was just <laughs> like, was this, this is, uh, this is Kirby. 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 Kirby yeah. says that, uh, Jim Harbaugh's pra- spring practices are about competition, not time. Kirby is honest. Kirby is smart. Be like Kirby. Like Kirby. So. <laughs> <laughs> or Captain Obvious, he had one where the Captain oh, yeah. Obvious. Yeah. So I, I had a, I had some fun with that. I, I really like that uh, "Be Like Kirby" one because that that was just like perfect scenario for it. So yeah. So yeah, it's. I mean, man, that thing's still not dying. They're saying that not much is going to happen with this year, but there some people are kind of setting their goals to try to stop things from happening with it in the future. But we'll see. I mean. You know, it's it's them wanting to keep their competitive advantage, and it's just Jim being innovative. So it's just, you know, I think maybe find somewhere in the middle, but I don't know. I mean, that's a whole other co- topic conversation we talked about a little bit, but it'll be kind of interesting moving forward to see if they actually acknowledge that. Uh, other important people like the SEC commissioner and the president of the NCAA but we'll see if they actually acknowledge that or if they keep hiding behind the fact or hiding behind the pathetic excuse of saying that it's more about the time for the students. So anyways, with that long introduction or I don't know what you want to call it, but anyways, that long discussion, those long few discussions, we are going to get to what we've discussed last week. The awards. Did you come up with a name, Craig? Cause I did not. Uh, you don't sound confident. Well, it's gotta have- you don't sound kind. Yeah, you know, you didn't do your like, homework, like man. You didn't do your Harbaugh homework, award. man. I was I was banking on you to come up with some. Actually, no, I didn't. I I just was hoping that you may have because I totally dropped the ball on thinking of anything. Yeah, we Harbaughlin award. Harbaughlin. Hard hardball Harbaughlin. Harbaugh. How about that? The football. Harbaugh. Uh, we'll we'll come up with some. Yeah. We should not be put on the spot. I will just say that. I don't think that's probably a good thing for us because that's what we tried to do last time. And I totally, I was so focused on trying to get results for this voting that I totally didn't think about the actual names of the uh, awards. So we, moving forward, we're gonna have a year to think about it. 
hopefully we don't procrastinate a year, but we're better off the cuff anyways. Yeah. I don't know what these our I don't know what our fans want, but we're better when we're off the cuff, you know. When we plan, we're not that good. Uh to, to a certain extent. With the, with these awards, yeah. uh, like I can do off the cuff maybe for a couple things, but here we are. We've got like six awards yeah. that we're looking for names for. So yeah, we'll we'll put that off again. Like we said, if anybody's got some cool ideas, let us know. But the results are in. We took the nominations and instead of drawing this out two weeks and having people voting and everything, we just took everybody's nomination as nominations as votes. We got feedback on Twitter, and I actually put it out on Facebook. Because I know some of my bum friends that listen to the show actually don't react or give feedback very well on Twitter or any any other thing. So I did Facebook because they're more active on that. And they actually got their lazy butts into gear and said something. Yes, I'm calling <laughs> you guys out. But anyway, so so we have results here. We have results for our awards. I will review them. Uh, review the categories real quick, and then we'll talk about each one a little bit. But uh, we were looking for the best Michigan game of the 2015-16 season. We were looking for the best player, and it could be offensive or defensive player, just like the MVP, basically, who was the best player on the team or the most important player. And then, of course, we had the categories of the best offensive play for Michigan, the best defensive play. And then we had the... Worst game for Michigan and the worst play for Michigan specifically. And then the last one was your favorite Harbaugh moment for the 2015 football season. So starting at the top, here we go. Uh, best game, we actually came up with a tie between two games with uh, that we got feedback on. And that was the Citrus Bowl. Uh, when Michigan played against Florida, and then the shutout game that they had against Northwestern. Two very credible games. Honestly, with both of those, they're really great. They they both take on their own positives and advantages for saying that they're the best games because you've got one that's at the end of the season, and you play the SEC East champs, and you make them look terrible. And you smoke them pretty yeah. good. And then the other one, you actually shut a team out that was supposed to be one of the best that, defensive yeah. teams in the country. Defensive. Yeah, at the time, you're right. And, and, and he, the whole team was clicking. So, yeah. Clicking. So, yeah. Uh, Craig, I'll actually let you go and say what your – because we have not discussed this really on what your selection was. And then it, you can go ahead and talk about it. And then I'll go ahead and <clears throat> also contribute mine. So I heard those, and I was like, yeah, I thought – for sure that those would be the ones that people would choose. I actually agree with those. Um, uh, I thought the way we play Northwestern was outstanding. Like you said, we were clicking on all cylinders and then Florida game. I think a big reason why we played really well is because I think Devion Smith really ran the ball well. He looked different, and I just think the way he ran that ball was great. So... But I'm going to choose a different game. I, I, I actually believe those are, I can see why people chose those games because they, we won. You know, we won big and we clicked. But I'm going to choose, actually, I'm going to choose the game of the year was the Michigan State game. Mm. Even if we lost, mm. we, had, we, we won that game. I mean, I feel like we had that game won. Yeah. If it wasn't for the botched 
kick, we would have won the game, and then everybody would choose that game. But that was the game that I say from the very beginning to the end that people were just literally were freaking out, intense moment to the very end. Even, you know, and that to me was the game of the year that I thought Michigan played pretty well. We played them well, given the fact that Michigan State was supposed to roll over us. Yeah. You know, we actually came out, played well. We did well. We won. We played enough for the last, what, minute or couple seconds of the game. Yeah. We had that game won, and we didn't win it. So yeah, that's, that's I know it's off the off the radar a little bit, but it's I could see you know that was mine. No, that's good. I mean, want. yeah, that's what this is about. This is about like figuring out what people think and why people like what they like and everything with that. I mean, because obviously the Citrus Bowl and Northwestern are easy to choose because they're they're wins, and that's interesting that you picked that one. But I totally see why you could say that. Why you would choose that one aside from basically like the last twenty seconds or something of the game. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. That's cool. I like that. I am actually going to choose the Northwestern game. When we yeah. started talking about this last time, I already had this one in mind, and I figured that would come up. And so it doesn't surprise me that's tie- that we had a tie with these. But, I mean, the Citrus Bowl was great. There were other good games for the year, too. But a shutout is always awesome. I think shutouts are great. But this was just, holistically, this game was the first time in a long time that you just saw the team all together do amazing. Like, first of all, for the season, like they really came together. I mean, BYU was a really good game for them um, to show where they were going with and everything. But Northwestern was, I wouldn't say the peak game, but it was, uh, it was really great. Cause I think this fell uh, maybe before, the MSU game. But anyways, I mean, they, they reached a high point, maybe not the high point with this game. But, I mean, even if you look over the program for, I mean, how many years, you know, I mean, you could say stuff about the 2011 Notre Dame game, the night game where they had uh, a really awesome game where they had that close one against Notre Dame and things like that. But this is just in this, this game embodied, you know, the defense is doing great. Special teams is doing great. The offense is doing great. Jake Rudock looked complete in this game. Um, he still had some rough things with passing, um, but it just came together so great. But then the thing that really uh, topped it off for me was actually at the beginning of the game and that kickoff return by J.U. Chesson because I'd been waiting for yeah. something like that for so long. And so I just thought that was awesome yeah. that we were finally able to get a kickoff slash Punt ret- any special teams kick return, and so that just kind of capped it off with me, because uh, I could really watch that game over and over again. Uh, enjoy seeing just how well the team played as a whole. Uh, I went through and actually watched a lot of highlights. You can find them. I posted links on Twitter of two decent uh, highlight videos that people put out on YouTube for the 2015-16 season. And I just remember seeing highlights from that game, and you know, just yeah. just a great game. No, those are great points. And, uh, yeah, it was funny because I believe on that uh, podcast before that, we both were saying, you know what? I think in order to preserve Jabril Peppers during the rest of the year because he's that valuable this year, that uh, maybe they should put Chesson on kickoff returns, and they do that, and he gets he runs back and t- for t- 
touchdown. Yeah. We both go, wow, we should be coaches. <laughs> yeah. No, but you, I remember that you called that because there was a, you had some concern about his catching abilities and everything. And what you called him doing kickoff return, like kickoff or punt yeah. returns. And I mentioned that I'd feel more comfortable with kickoff returns because, because if you muff a kickoff return, there's yeah. more a chance of being safe with it. But with yeah. punt returns, there's a lot more dangerous with that. But yeah, you, you were the one who originally brought that up. So that was, that was a pretty awesome call on your part. So. Yeah, I think they had Jordan Lewis and Jabril Peppers doing kickoff returns, and I said, I don't know, man. you got your two best defensive guys out there. And like you said, anything can happen when you got two collision course between players that are running full speed. You know, you can blow out a knee, hit a knee, and you're done. You're yeah. out for the year. And I was going, I don't know. And, you know, maybe put Chess in because he was the fastest. He was the fastest player, and and he showed he lit him up in the Northwestern game. He our, when he was full on, they couldn't catch him. Yeah. Well, talking about Cheston will actually bring us into our next award that we talked about, and that was the best player for the team. And Cheston was one of those in that conversation. But uh, the best player, uh, the award goes to then, is really not too much of a surprise. Um, we talked about um, Peppers and Lewis and Cheston and Rudock, and Rudock was the one who walked away with this one. I mean, yep. he's kind of in a unique situation. Uh, obviously, quarterbacks get, get a lot of attention, but, I mean, he's there for one year. He came in late because he was a transfer. Uh, the amount of work that he put on his shoulders and where he's – I mean, he it basically – it's almost like he's the MVP and the MIP, you know, most improved player as well because he had such a great uh, improvement throughout the year. But uh, just the things that he was able to accomplish, and I'll say it here, he had 24 total touchdowns, and 20 of them were passing touchdowns. Four of them were rushing. Uh, In the Indiana game, which was like a highlight game for him, he had six passing touchdowns and 440 yards. Uh, As a whole for the season, he had a 64% um, passing completions, uh, 3,017 passing yards, uh, and then... He had two games of throwing over 300 yards. His QBR was 141.5. And he did wind up having uh, maybe a little bit higher interception rate, uh, but it turned out better throughout the year. But he had nine interceptions for the year. Longest pass was 64 yards. His rushes averaged over 12 yards per rush. I mean, he... He just was awesome for the one year he was there. I mean, uh, part part of the thing that sets him apart is he is now one of two Michigan quarterbacks that have passed for over 3,000 yards in a season. And so, I mean, just yeah. almost that alone is just kind of like, well, you know, there you go. Um, and to say something real quick before I let you jump in, uh, Peppers was kind of a close – Peppers and Chesson were kind of right behind him because uh, there was some conversation about Peppers being such a great leader on defense and that he was playing offense and defense, of course. And so he was uh, high in the conversation. But then Chesson was way up there as well because he had so many uh, touchdowns and everything, and he just took off there uh, about midway through the season. And we'll talk about him a little bit more. But those two were right behind him. Jordan and nothing against Jordan Lewis. I know that he was in our group and everything of our discussion. He had a great year too, but you know, some, some numbers just uh, 
shine out to people more. And Jordan Lewis did great. But like we said, quarterbacks do so much, their numbers are going to show a lot more than others. So, uh, Craig, go ahead and. Yeah, I um, I agree. I think um, Ruddock deserved this. Um, if you, I think if you took a graph of the pr- improvement from the first game all the way to the end of the season, it, it would be going almost straight up because in the beginning, you well know, we were worried about a guy that couldn't really pass for even 200 yards, we were saying, in the very beginning. If you go back to our podcast, from the first game, the Utah game, and then you kept going. I just said constantly, look, you know, I, I like Jake Rudock. I just think that he's a guy that can't pass for over 200 yards. It seemed like he could, he, you know, they had to make sure that the plays were half the field and they couldn't do a full on, you know, like maybe 20 to 30 yards downfield and they cut that off for him. And then they, and then as the game and the games went and went and went, they, they, it opened it up. I even said, hey, you know what? Jake Rudock's going to have to throw that ball long. He's going to have to throw it far. He's going to have to get comfortable with throwing to Chesson and Darbo. And actually, you saw that. is because the very fact is Darbo, in the very beginning, was the the person that Rudock was looking at and throwing to. And then he changed, totally changed, and started throwing to Chesson a little bit more. And that opened up his... You know, I thought those two connected a lot better as the season went on. If you saw those, you know, I think the play, actually the biggest play I think Jake was, was that long bomb to Chesson for a touchdown. I think it was an over-shoulder pass to him. It was about 60 yards. And that's when I went, oh, Jake threw a long <laughs> a pass for t- over 20 yards. It was a long bomb to, for a touchdown to Jake. And I really think that was a big, uh, uh, J.U., I mean, I'm sorry, J.U. Chesson was um an opening up for him uh, for the for the year. Jabril Preppers, he's gonna be he's gonna get his. He's just gonna get his. I think there was a couple of plays he whiffed on. Um, I think uh, a couple of plays where he had um, he could have had an interception and he dropped him. You know, I think yeah. there was a couple of them he had in his hands and he dropped. Or there was always that one breakout play like. He's going to get a punt return. Remember those couple of those? Oh, yeah. and, and, and he get tripped up just before he was going to get, get, get there, and he just couldn't do it. Yeah. And those are what I'm talking about. It's, he's going to get better. He's going to get stronger, and he's going to have those. He's going to I'm, – I'm not worried about him. Jordan Lewis – actually, Jordan Lewis in the very beginning of the season did great, and then he kind of, you know, a little bit – got a little bit slower. Well, I'd say the whole defense did – um, didn't play as well, but um, Jordan Lewis is obviously very talented. But Jake Rudock is my man. He made history. So yeah. when you make history and you do that, and you're up there with Navarre, I mean, he's got to have it. He's got to take it. He get he got us to ten wins when no one else could. Yeah, yeah, definitely well deserving with that one. So uh, keeping with uh, offense discussion, uh, the next one is the best offensive play of the year. Um, this one actually came out as a unique play that we have not seen for a while that we've already discussed, but the best offensive play is, uh, going to, and I guess, uh, could maybe kind of go either way, but it's actually more of a special teams play because it was J.U. Chesson's, I think the official yardage was 96 yard kickoff return, opening kickoff Mm -hmm. against Northwestern. Um, just huge. I mean, I remember watching that. And first of all, just the excitement of getting a kickoff return. But then this was 
there was a lot of hype around that game because uh, Northwestern's defense was playing so well. And then if you don't remember, there was that lovely article that I found uh, from that writer that basically said, told Jim Harbaugh, hey, Pat Fitzgerald is going to come to Ann Arbor and yeah. going to kick your butt. <laughs> I can't, that I, was great. I can't remember who that guy was, but uh, there was that lovely article piece that we uh, shared with everyone. And, uh, and so there was hype around this and then Michigan just decimated them and ran all over them from the beginning of first play of the game. And people were saying, technically the game was over from the first play because Michigan got seven points. And if that was only seven points they got, it would have been enough. So, yeah, my play, my offensive play, um, was, um, I'd say probably that Davion Smith run. Oh yeah, where he shrugged off the guy. That was mine. That was really cool to see. I went, oh, he's not going to break it, and then that guy, and he just literally grabbed, just hand palmed him, and just threw him to the ground, and I and spun, and I went, wow, that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, that was insane. That was, uh, yeah, that was BYU, wasn't it? BYU game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was. Yeah. That was. He did great running for up until I'd say like the Michigan State game, and then he tapered off, uh, and then he was dealing with injuries and things like that. But then he really came back with for that Citrus Bowl. But yeah, that was that was a runner up. I mean, kind of like there there were actually about two plays that were running up with that. That was uh, I believe a sixty yard run. But then of course the long longest run for the season was Ty Isaac. He ran up the sideline for yeah. a long touchdown. Yeah, those were two plays that were kind of discussed and everything. Um, because, you know, that's another thing too, that we, we miss at Michigan. I mean, we saw, um, Denard Robinson do a ton of running, but he's a quarterback. And so he was all over the place, but then, um, he, he, we were looking for a, a running back to do some stuff. So to be able to see two awesome running plays for touchdowns like that was highlights for me and some other people. So those were the running up plays. But then to switch to the other side of the ball, talking about the best defensive play of the year, this one was pretty easy, pretty straightforward. We we really anticipated this, but the it wasn't a very good game for Michigan. It didn't look very good, but the ending of it was a fantastic finish for the defense as they had the goal line stand against Minnesota and were able to keep the Gophers out of the end zone. Uh, when they could have gone for the overtime, but they decided to try to go for the win, and Michigan kept them out, and that was really a great stand by them. That was the defensive play of the year uh, for their goal line stand right there. So. Yeah, I agree. That was uh, hands down my favorite, too. Um, I thought it was a good play. I think Minnesota made a mistake. That, you know, maybe the play that they called, I believe, uh uh, the quarterback for Minnesota went for a sneak and tried to get in there, and I, I probably wouldn't have ran that play at all. You know, I think a lot of people saying they went for the win when they could have went for the tie yeah. instead, and then when we went to overtime, and you know, and I, you can call the questionable play calling, but you know, Glasgow and uh, stopped him, man. He he was the man. He's the one that got in there and, and stuffed him, and, and what a what a stand! I know I was freaking out. Because uh, I was waiting for the call, for the hands to go up by the refs, and I didn't see it. And then when I knew 
when I heard the the play by play announcer say, "I don't think he got in," that's when I went, "Oh my gosh!" And then you know, obviously, Spate throwing the Chesson was a big play oh, yeah. before that yeah. too. So that was a really big play by him. I mean, for a, a guy, your best player on the team gets knocked out, and then you get Spate coming in who hasn't thrown a touchdown all season at, at all. He's six foot seven or eight. Comes in there and throws a, a kind of the game winning touchdown to set up us to win. That was pretty. That whole sequence to that de- uh, defensive stop was absolutely crazy, insane. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, well, there uh, the only thing that got discussed a little bit with that, um, and it wasn't on the same level, but just. You know, a defensive play, there were other good defensive plays, but the other one kind of on that level uh, would be the pass breakup in the Indiana overtime game by Delano Hill. Yeah. Um, But it didn't. Well, that's a good one. It wasn't. That one was a little different because that kept us from tying the game, them tying the game and maybe going into another overtime and everything. But that that was still good, not downplaying or anything. But that just that Minnesota game, I mean, we we needed that. It was real tough, and, you know, I mean, that was, like I said, kind of a mess game for us and everything. I mean, give Minnesota credit. I'm not dogging Minnesota because they came out and they played, and they played really good. Um, but yeah. it uh, that that was a tough-fought battle, and so that was really great and kind of epic to see them be able to finish it like that. But a couple of things I wanted to mention with defensive plays, these were not really in the running, but I, as I went through watching highlights and everything like that, I wanted to mention these because you, you'll kind of forget them. I, f- I forgot one of them. But uh, things to mention was the Jordan Lewis 36-yard uh, interception return touchdown. Oh, that was a very good play, yeah. That was a good one. But Side, th- on the sideline, yep. Yeah, that's different nice. because, you know, it didn't, it didn't really factor. I mean, it was a great defensive play, but we didn't really need it to win. Um, so yeah. it's a little bit different. But uh, something else to – mentioned that was interesting that i i totally forgot about i think it was against oregon state um but there was a tackle made and the ball flipped out in a fumble and it was still in the air and joe um joe bolden actually caught it the fumble as the guy was getting tackled popped out joe bolden caught it and ran it back i don't know it was like maybe 15 or 20 yards or something like that but just one of those I mean, it, it's well. It's kind of it's a lot of luck, kind of like that Michigan State picking up that um, muffed punt thing. I mean, it was just like right there, right in his hands. But he had the awareness and he caught it and he was able to go. So I, I wanted to make mention that because if you go back and watch yeah. highlights, you're going to see that. And that was a that was a pretty sweet defensive play. Yeah, even my uh, top five, um, one of my top five defensive plays of the year is the stop on Connor Cook for Michigan on the third or fourth down. I mean, they had to get they had to get the first down. They couldn't get it, yeah. and they yeah, and we we stopped them. You know, that's why I was. I think they went for on fourth down, and he went for a pass. I think he had a pass for eight yards or something like that, eight to ten, and we stopped them. And we actually had that game won, and then all we had to do is kick the you know, punt the ball, and we had it won. But that was a good stop by us. I remember just I remember watching that and like. Man, we can't make him. We can't have Connor Cook get this pass off. We can't get him a first down, or it's going to be over. And we stopped him. But who knew after that 
But that would have probably been one of the biggest defensive plays of the year, too, if we would have won that game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now moving on to negative things with the season to talk about. This was a little bit interesting because we really thought that we knew how it would come out, but the worst game, the winner was actually the Ohio State game. Which makes sense, but we really thought a lot of people would go on the side of Michigan State because of the muffed punt and how ugly it was, or how heart-wrenching, I guess you should say. But the Ohio one makes sense because that was just top to bottom our worst game of the year. I mean, just bad all over the place and, you know, embarrassing because it's against your you're at home against your rival. So that was voted the worst game. Not much to be said about that because, like we said, that's that's truth. That was ugly. That was bad. Could have yeah. people could have said the Michigan State game because how heart wrenching it was, but um, it was a tale of two halves. I mean, you talk about the first half, we were with them, and then something happened in the second half where we just lost all focus and we couldn't stop them at all. I think it was um, well, we were up by two. Or, I mean, it was tied or around that time, and then after the second half. We just fell apart. We couldn't stop the run. Yeah. Uh, linemen couldn't tackle. Yeah. It was a mess. Yeah, they, they found our weakness, and we couldn't recover, and our linebackers and our line couldn't stop them, and they just ran all over the place. So, And then we tried yeah. so hard to stop the running game that our pass defense was affected, and they were able to get some open passes. And, yeah, it was, it was rough. So, um uh, so on to more negative news is talking about the worst play, which was, I mean, obvious, unanimous, uh, was the muffed punt against uh, Michigan State. Uh, that was the worst play of the year, which, like we said, no surprise. But the couple other kind of plays that I wanted to talk about um, was a Michigan State game when I think it was the last touchdown they scored to get it within a one possession game was um i don't even know exactly what the play was but it it broke down and they had a wide open receiver at the top side of the field and they threw it to him and he ran yeah like it was like 50 yards and i swear he got in but they said that he got down right before he got to the end zone but then they punched it in from there because it was like half a yard to get in the zone that I mean, if we yeah. had played better defense against that, that could have changed completely changed the end of the game. And so that that was another awful yeah. play um, for the game. So, yeah, my worst play was um, I think it was the um, third down play with the Ohio game where we got pinned in the very deep of our own end zone or something like that, and there was a roughing or we roughed the punt. Oh yeah, Ohio was punting and then we roughed the punter and then they oh. called it it was roughing a punter and that that one I think really hurt us because it gave them 10 yards and that they actually moved all the way down and scored and yeah it wasn't that MSU it was always worst play or the worst call <laughs> yeah no I don't know. yeah that that was well it was it was a reasonable call. I can't remember everything with the two, yeah. but yeah, that's that's definitely you can in say, the yeah. list. You could say the worst call would be on Bolden with the ejected from the game, if you want to call worst play, worst call, but him on roughing the pet that was bad. Yeah, that was really bad. That's a, that was the worst one of the year, I'd say, him oh, yeah. getting ejected. 
Yeah, no, that that was definitely the worst. And I we didn't officially make that category, did we? I don't think we talked about no, it, but we, that was yeah, that was easily the worst. Well, okay, actually, no, no, I'm sorry, that is not easily the worst. Uh, we'll we'll yeah. talk about that more. Um, uh, well, actually, no, I don't know if it br- got brought up, but yeah, the two worst pl- uh, calls by the officials were the targeting call. Um, yep. for that, um, that that totally could change things for that game too. But then also one that really didn't have an effect on the game was the Rutgers game when we got the penalty for intent to deceive. Yeah, that's the other one I was yeah. going to bring up. Yeah, the intent to deceive. I was like, what? <laughs> and, oh. Well, the whole game of football is intent to deceive, isn't it? Yeah, it's like good good job. I mean, I guess only with uh, Jim Harbaugh can they just make up stuff and try to yeah. Try to well, bring you don't even to... need to say the worst call of the year or the game for Michigan was targeting. It's say the worst call of the year for every football game for everyone was targeting. I don't think I think everybody was going. I don't even know what targeting is anymore. Our Twitter was blowing up with people saying, "Can someone please explain to me what targeting is?" Because I certainly don't know anymore. I, I was going, "I don't know either." Yeah, no, and the officials don't really know either. That's that's something that we really have to hope and pray for that yeah. they get figured out during the off season on how to handle it and how to call it. So, because that's true, that was if you want to talk about one of the worst things for football entirety as a season, you're right with the targeting, yeah. but the officials too, uh, as a whole, Big oh. Ten were bad and ACC were bad. But yeah, it was bad open. calls. Bad calls all year. It was a bad year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So to finish off the awards on a lighter note, though, I guess that we'll say um, the favorite Harbaugh moment. We actually got no feedback from anybody on this one. So it's really going to be you and me for this uh, favorite okay. Harbaugh moment. It's a little bit difficult to remember the whole entire season with everything that I did, but I'll go ahead and let you uh, go ahead and go first with this one, Craig. My favorite Harbaugh moment was the whole intent to deceive and how mad he was about it <sighs> and getting in the official's face. That was mine. I already had that thing planned out for a long, all year. I was saying that had to have been the best moment where even he was pissed and throwing his hat or, and the very fact is he even said, isn't that part of the game? And I went, he's absolutely right. He hadn't, he didn't know what, the, what it meant and what, what the what the rules are? I don't think anybody did, but that's my favorite moment, man. He he had a few, couple, you know, where they called uh, some bad calls, and he was arguing like I think one of them was like roughing the punter or some kind of oh yeah something else. But uh, that was that was my that was my favorite. Yep, yeah. yeah. He he had a lot of times where he lost his cool, which I mean, you know, you see it, you see it all the time in basketball and you see it in in football a lot but he gets a lot of attention by it because he's Jim Harbaugh so but my yeah. um my favorite moment is uh something that I like to reference quite a bit and I think it's actually on our SoundCloud page is when he talked around November about uh vitamins and yeah. uh, he said I I truly <laughs> believe the number one natural steroid is sleep and the number two natural is milk Whole milk. Milk. And he said uh, three would be water, four would be steak. It goes with everything. So yeah. <laughs> eat steak and drink whole milk. One of the best quotes from uh, Jim Harbaugh, that's for sure. So Or the 
uh, the or you could say the quote I always hear is um, unknown to mankind or attack this day with <laughs> oh yeah attacking this day with enthusiasm unknown to mankind unknown to mankind I mean <laughs> that is awesome I mean I wanted to have a tattoo on my back <laughs> it's just that with his with his face yelling <laughs> like was it, isn't it Stevo Stevo uh, who has yep. yeah. Nice. That would you would probably get some attention, draw some attention from that one. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I you know it's um it's a good quote. It's actually really really cool. I mean, he's got quite a few. I mean, you could say you know throughout the year his antics or some of the things he says is pretty funny. You know that he responds back to other coaches or them responding to him. It's always it's always them responding to him and then him responding back to him. And he's yeah. had some really good ju- juicy ones, I have to say. But he's definitely entertaining. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. It's been it's been great. It's been entertaining. And like I've said before, this is probably the best year that we could have decided to start doing this podcast to get things carried off the ground. Um, but as we wrap up the discussion about the w- awards, um, some of the most uh, Twitter reaction that we got to this came from one of our regulars. Uh, Drew Hostfire72, going by Drew Blue right now on Twitter. Um, He gave some interesting perspective about stuff, so I wanted to share his specifically. Um, And he was, when talking about the best players, uh, the best player award, he actually did a players, he did a unit, which I thought this was totally worth mentioning. But he mentioned about the offensive line. I mean, everyone talks about how everything goes through the quarterback, but the quarterback is only able to do so much because of his offensive line, and they definitely did great. Uh, he mentioned some stats from the season on them only allowing 18 sacks, and they had three receivers with over 650 yards each. Um, so, yeah, yeah they uh, he he did a good argument for saying how the offensive line uh, should be considered in that discussion, and I thought that was a great thing to bring up. And uh, but then he also mentioned uh, added to some of the information about talking with Chesson on how he had such a high uh, number of touchdowns being uh, not just receiving, but he also did rushing and he also had that special teams uh, kickoff return touchdown, which yeah, I mean, I think he had a total of 12. And so then the people behind him that had the most, the highest receiver had five behind him and that was Darbo and the highest rushing was Smith with six. So, I mean, like, he stood out quite a bit because you add those two up and they don't even get to his total. Uh, right, yeah. But he shared a little bit more. Uh, he contributed to uh, voting for some of the other stuff. And uh, he he really loved the run with uh, Smith, how you mentioned about him uh, basically being tackled yeah. down and he was able to power through it. And he uh, said not to forget the kickoff return with Chesson. So uh, he had some good feedback. Uh, like I said, the most interesting stuff and kind of one of the most more unique perspectives uh, bringing up that about the offensive line. So I thought that was cool to mention. Yeah, that's that's really good to mention. Yeah, they did pretty well to keep uh, Jake playing the well as he did. So and they blocked pretty well. So uh, much better than they did last year. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's an improvement. And that was kind of the thing too because they did uh, good pass blocking. Their run blocking could definitely have been improved, but yeah, I mean, I mean, they shined though. I mean, they they did what they needed to, and they helped Jake out a whole lot. So, 
that was a yep. good conversation, good topics to bring up there. So with that being said, we're wrapping this episode up. What we had said before is we wanted to do awards and kind of officially uh, cap off the 2015-16 season. What we actually might look to do in the future. This one kind of got away from us. We had it on our plans of things to do, and we just, uh, each week it kind of got away from us, and we talked about different things, different conversations that came up. So we'll move it earlier next year. But we're kind of officially, unofficially closing the 2015 season. We're going to be looking forward to things uh, now with 2016, probably talk about the recruits and uh, future schedule and things like that. But as we're closing it out, I do want to do a little brief review of the season. Just just a few couple real quick things for people to remember and realize uh, Michigan, you know, finished with the 10 and three overall record and, uh, went six and two in the big 10. And in the final AP poll, Michigan's losses were to the number four team, the number six team and the number 17 teams in the AP poll. So number four, Ohio state, number six, Michigan state, number 17, Utah and Michigan ended at the 12th spot. So something to kind of really think about, which is um, really cool, uh, one of these things in here that I'll mention here then. Um, but Michigan beat the number twenty, a uh, number twenty-two team, a thirteenth ranked team, nineteenth. Um, but then their losses were credible because I mean, at the time it was unranked Utah, but then they lost to uh, number seven MSU, number eight OSU. And to put things in an interesting perspective, though, this is why I really like that. I kind of dug up is that two of Michigan's losses were by seven points or less. Yeah. Two, two of their losses, yeah. seven points or less. I mean, that's that's kind of crazy. I mean, just if a few things changed, just a few plays, you could have looked at a 12-win team. Yeah. Which would yeah. have been – right. I mean, that would have been completely insane. I mean, if they had done that, they would have been looking at uh, a trip to the Big Ten title. Uh, most likely, yeah. Depending on how other teams. Well, remember, lost. yeah. To take away from this uh, season uh, and to tell everybody is, hey, you know what? He took a guy who second string transfer quarterback who didn't even come in throughout the whole season at all, and uh, he was shaky in the beginning of the game. We actually had a chance to win that game. He was very shaky. And we almost won it. Yeah. Uh, I believe if he would have had, if we would have had Utah like fifth or sixth game in the season, we would have won that game easily. Yeah, I think and so. And two, uh, Jim Harbaugh's got a corn coming in, and the guy's been hungry. He's been he's trying to be patient. He's even said, man, it's been really tough to sit on the bench wait, wait, waiting my turn because he's that hungry to play. And that shows you, and he's going to have a whole over a year of training and training. And he's also the roommate of uh, Jake Rudock. So he's going to have a lot of uh, Jim Harbaugh influence to get better. And I heard he's, he's doing really well. In fact, what I was hearing before, even during the games that were played all year is actually O'Corn was actually playing better than all those guys, including Jake. So, Nice. Good things are happening, guys. I mean, we got Jim Harbaugh as a coach. He's an incredible quarterback coach, and we got a lot of good players coming back. So, yeah, it's just going to get better. Oh yeah, looking forward to it. So to say that again is, uh, 
out of the three losses that Michigan had, two of them were by seven points or less. And so looking on the flip side of things, Michigan's 10 wins, only two of those wins, only two of them were decided by seven points or less. So you're saying eight out of 10 wins, Michigan won convincingly. I mean, some of them like in dominating form. So eight out of 80% of the time they were dominating or they were convincingly winning their games. And then two out of three times they lost very close games. I mean, that's just, I mean, people were talking about like seven or eight wins and here we go. We finished with 10, but it's not even just that, you know, we, there were those distinct opportunities for it to be even better. I mean, it could have been a 12 and one record overall. I mean, of course there may have been another game thrown in there, but then uh, six and one Big Ten and everything like that. Yep. So it's just, and I'm not here trying to make things look better than what they really are, but just a, another realization of just how good it was this year and how great things turned out um, before we move on to yeah. 2016. Yeah, and you know we were one botch kick away from actually having another win. We would have had 11. So we. Yeah. I mean, I don't believe we would have beat Ohio at all. So that was the one. I believe if we would have just given the way things were progressing with Utah, it was the beginning of the year. We were in a hostile crowd there, and it was a tough game. We lost by seven points, so we did well. Uh, we did fact. Yeah, we didn't have chemistry on that one yet uh, with how new Jake was yep. into the system and everything. So. Just, uh, you know, some stuff to look at, uh, looking back and everything, and I enjoyed watching the highlights and reviewing the season as a whole. So that's, uh, that's 2015 for you, folks. So, yeah, but, good season. Yes, very good. And it was good for the uh, Blue Brothers sportscast as we're uh, going to be signing off here. Just want to mention again that you can find us on Twitter at Blue Bros underscore in our name. Uh, and then you can also email us at bluebrotherssportscast at gmail.com. But also don't forget, we are on other platforms now. Uh, we've been focusing on SoundCloud, but you now can find us on iTunes. And you can find us on TuneIn Radio. You can find us on Stitcher. Supposedly we're on Google Play. I've looked, and I have not had great success with that one, so we might just dump that one anyways because we've got uh, there's good traffic on iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in radio on top of SoundCloud. And most of those, if not all of them, have apps that you can check out for easy listening, easy download. If you do iTunes, uh, we would greatly appreciate it if you leave us a review and uh, let us know what you think. And that also helps uh, generate interest because people will be able to see that other people, what other people think of the show. Uh, don't forget about our voicemail. Uh, you can give us a call anytime about Michigan football. Tell us what you think about what's currently going on or what's happened uh, with recruits or anything looking forward. Uh, call us at 551-258-3276. That is 551-BLUE-BRO. So we thank you for tuning in as always. We always hope that you have a good week as well. And we'll end it off with a go blue. Go blue.